This is a News Laundry podcast. Welcome to NL Hafta. Upendra Chaube's interview with Sunny Leone, Leone, sorry, uh, journalist Revati Lal attacked in Gujarat. Journalist Siddharth Vardharaj on Gherawad in Allahabad. It has not been a good week for journalists. Also, the uh, suicide in Hyderabad uh, and the attack in Pakistan. Uh, we'll discuss this and more on News Laundry Hafta. Welcome to episode 51. This is Abhinandan Sekri. Angrez apna lagan aur news runri apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodte. We have joining us on the phone line uh, Manu Joseph. Hi Manu. Hi. Thank you for joining. Uh, we also have Madhu who will be joining us shortly. She's stuck in traffic because odd even is off. We have Arunab. Hi Arunab. Hello. And Manisha. Hello. And we also have Siddharth Vardharajan who will be joining us on the phone to share his experiences of being heralded at Allahabad University by ABVP activists. Uh, we'll uh, speak to him about what that was like. So uh, also before we start, just want to plug our other podcast, Global Summits, Where Are We Going? It's a podcast in collaboration with Biraj Swain. In this podcast, we cut through the jargon and break down development summits for you with experts and commentators from around the world. Uh, this broadcast is produced by Karthik Nijhavan. So, what do you want to start with, Manu? If I may suggest, could I, unless you have a preference that you want to start with, what occupied media time this no, week? I'll leave it to you, actually. Okay, I was curious. Um, you know about, uh, you know, Siddharth Vardarajan having here out at Allahabad University because they didn't want him to speak. Yes. Uh, many people are comparing that to the Gherao of uh, the Vice Chancellor that happened. Um, at uh, FTII, uh, the director, not the vice chancellor, the director of FTII. Yeah. I think it's democratic. There's, I mean, why, why, is, why people whining it, uh, whining about it? What is your view? Is there an equivalence there or not? Or your take? Yeah, you know, see, tolerance was always some kind of a sophisticated myth. You know, it was more uh, of one of those uh, human and uh, intellectual aspirations that people presume is a norm. It is not. Okay. Uh, I think most of us are fundamentally intolerant, and uh, we have our ways of uh, expressing our intolerance. And the thing with Gundas is that they have their way too, and uh, which which can seem very rough. And but all over the world, there is this rising phenomenon of students, both liberal and conservative, mm. uh, choosing not to allow voices they don't agree with. Uh, to speak in the campus. So that's happening all over the world. And uh, the, the thing, the, the problem here is that if you take some, a group like ABVP, um, uh, they, they have a history of not just Gundaism, but also getting away with it. Right. So, uh, so I think these are, these are issues that will, uh, uh, will stay with us for years to come. But is that a fair equivalence, the, uh, the Gherao of the FTII director and the Gherao of Siddharth Vardarajan? Oh. See, I wouldn't say because, see, uh, I mean, uh, if, if, if the ABVP guys are getting me, there's something, uh, uh, it, it's intimidating uh, on a very different scale, you know. Because of the history of violence. Exactly. You know, right. it's, it's a different kind of intimidation. Uh, so, yeah, I would think, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's fair. Okay. Uh, Arunab, what is your take? I don't think it's a fair or a fair equivalence because <clears throat> I don't think it's a fair equivalence. What is a fair equivalence was... Uh, um, 
Ramdev not being allowed to speak and uh, JNU. Uh, at JNU and uh, not allowed to I mean students protesting against it and Subramanian Swami Swami's uh, address uh, I mean a conference and uh, uh, DO being uh, seeing uh, wide scale protest <clears throat> because I don't think FTI was a completely different issue because it was about a director being appointed but I think this is directly related to freedom of speech and so was this, so was that. So I think yes, I mean, uh, I, I don't think intolerance is, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's only the right that can be accused of intolerance. But in this case, I, th I think there's no excuse. I, th I think freedom, this was a direct, uh, you know, the direct attempt at blocking someone's freedom of speech, someone's right to express his views. I think that's what happened in JNU as well as, uh, uh, you know, in DU when uh, Swami was speaking. So I don't think the FTI equivalence holds though, because it's completely different. It wasn't about freedom of speech. Manisha? Uh, no, I don't think they're the same because a, I think FTI, they were just students and not really politically aligned to any uh, of the parties, hmm. any of the, and it was, it was a mix of students. Hmm. They're left-leaning, a lot of people would say, but then that's just, you know, a leaning. It wasn't a political That's movie. just filmmakers. <laughs> hmm. So, uh, I don't think so. But um, again, I don't think the Ramdev um, equivalence also holds because it's okay to protest. And uh, ABPB used to do that earlier also in JNU, if Arundhatiroy would speak, they'd hold up black flags and all that. And that's fine if you want to protest peacefully. But really stopping people, ghirawing people, resorting to violence is what's no, I'm talking more troublesome. I'm talking standing up for liberal values, you know. If you stand up for liberal values, if you claim to stand up for liberal values, then you claim to, uh, then you, you know, don't but not let someone speak. Oh, uh, you're talking no, about the in terms Ram. of the intolerance debate about, okay. you know. Okay, we'll just move on. Before that, uh, Manu is, I'd just like to tell our audiences, he's the author of Serious Men that was published in 2010. Is that right, Manu? That's correct. And The Illicit Happiness of Other People, 2012. That's correct. When are you heading to Jaipur, by the way? No, I'm not uh, going to Jaipur this time. Um, okay. I have to go on a, on a trek uh, in the Zanskar Valley for Condenast. So oh, you're going for Chadar? I'm going for Chadar. Oh, I wow. did that in 99. I'm sorry? I did that in 99 and made a film oh, on yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I, ho I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, I did. But you're back alive, so I suppose so that's <laughs> Yeah, in fact, then. we made a film, and if I may brag, it won two awards. One in San Francisco, one in Okinawa. Okay. So what, what is the most difficult thing about the Chadar trek? Well, uh, are you going from Chilling right up to Padum, or are you going yes. to be just Lingshit yes, or I something? Yes, I think so, yeah. Okay, if, don't spend a night at Sarak though. Okay, see, these are, I'm going with a, I'm going with a group with guides. And yeah, but I'm even with guides, go. sometimes if you can't make time, hmm. Sarak though is the coldest part of the Chadar. And Sarak means, chalte rao. Okay. You aren't supposed to spend a night there. We did. Okay. Uh, and I almost froze to death. Uh, okay. But yeah, you'll have a great time. Oh, fine, yeah, beats. How, uh, how low were the temperatures when? Uh, well, the lowest there? that we got was, I think, about minus 30. Minus 30. Yeah. Okay, fine. But I believe for the last few years it doesn't get that cold anymore. It starts okay, melting. I hope so. Yeah, I'm from the south because I don't think I can take uh, anything below zero. Right. Uh, also, you were other being other than being a trekker and a writer uh, of novels, you were the editor of Open Magazine when the Radia tapes were published. You will always be known for that and that appearance on NDTV following it. You're a columnist for New York Times and the Hindustan Times. And um, I, I, I don't write the New York Times column anymore. I stopped uh, last December. Oh, I so, see. Yeah, I, I have a column with the Hindustan Times. With the HT. Okay. Uh, we also have Siddharth Vardharajan. Okay, hi, Siddharth. Uh, this is Abhinandan from News Laundry. Um, you're in Delhi now? Yes, I just came back uh, this evening. In one piece? 
Ah, uh, absolutely, one piece. <laughs> so, uh, just tell us what happened there. Well, you know, I was invited to give a give a public lecture on uh, democracy, media, and freedom of speech uh, mm. by the student oh, oh, oh. president. <laughs> uh, freedom of speech, uh, huh? Exactly, and and the, and the event, the seminar was to be chaired by the vice chancellor, mm. and. Um, on the train, uh, on the way to uh, Allahabad in the early, uh, in the morning, I got a call from SP City, the police guy, saying that uh, because of ABVP's protests, your program has been prohibited uh, uh, both by the university administration and by the police. So they, and, they withdrew uh, the invitation, is that it? Yeah, yeah well, uh, the university never withdrew the program. I mean, they essentially went, went and cancelled the program. They banned the program. And, um, Sorry, so, if and I may ask, you were invited by the university. Is an official invitation? No, no, I was invited by the uh, student union president, uh, but it was an event which obviously the vice chancellor lent, lent his name to. Correct. Because if you look at the printed invitation card, he was shown as the person who was going to chair the whole proceeding. And then the university administration cancelled That's it. right. Exactly. Cancelled the so event after, altogether. So after having agreed to chair this event, the, the, the vice chancellor decided to prohibit the program because of uh, opposition from ABVP. And the police also did its two cents and uh, the SP City said, oh, look, I, I don't think you should go to the campus at all. And, uh, we and this, was, is, we prepare, this we is why you were on your way? Uh, this, this, exactly. I was, about, I was about an hour away from Allahabad on the train. Okay. And he said, we will prepare a room for you in Circuit House and you can meet whoever you want to meet, but uh, I, I don't advise you to go to the university. I said, look, I've come to talk to students and uh, I don't think it's right to... Um, given to the threats or intimidation of uh, any student group or any any bunch of people hmm. so i intend to go to the university uh, it's your prerogative to ban a program but it's my prerogative to visit the university so we left it at that and then when i got off at Allahabad and met the people who invited me uh, so they said that look the uh, program has been banned on campus but we are organizing an alternative venue just outside the campus gate okay and I said, I'll be happy to um, address your uh, address students over there. And I said, after that, let's go to campus. And so they were very happy that I wanted to visit the university. Uh, so I gave my talk uh, as uh, it was a little behind schedule, obviously, uh, at the venue outside the campus. Uh, hmm. There were about 100, 200 students who came to listen. And after that, they all marched in a procession into the campus and I went along with them. So you gave your talk outside campus. That, I gave that my, did my happen. talk outside campus. Okay. And then we went into the campus and I went... Uh, me and the students' union president went to uh, meet the VC, hmm. uh, Professor Hanglu, and we had a chat with him. And I said, "Look, this is very wrong of you to have cancelled the program, etc., etc." Hmm. And then uh, we heard that the ABVP um, uh, students or whoever they were had get out the uh, surrounded the building. They'd locked one one of the exits. They were shaking the gates very violently, and uh, we heard from the security staff of the university that it was uh, there's no way that I could go out. Hmm. I was actually quite happy to go out and talk to them, but they said, nahi, marpeet pe uh, so, so, they... and, um, um, so I said, fine, in that case, then um, I will wait for them to leave. He says, they won't leave, we will have to call the police. So then we had to wait. Uh, the police took their time coming. And so while, while until the police came, we were effectively <laughs> imprisoned over there. So while you were going out, at any point, did you come face to face with these students who were protesting? No, because uh, by the time the police came, when the university called them, uh, they made sure that the university, that the protesters were at some distance away from the point where I exited. So, uh, so I did not come face to face with them, uh, except um, you know to see them at a, at a distance. Um, but you, but you would, um, and I'm asking this purely just to uh, make sure that what you know the information you get you got from others in the university that 
the marpeet or the threat of violence was communicated to you through 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 the secu- through the security you see the university has its own security right right setup right so so there were quite a few of them inside the vc's chamber hmm. inside, which is a, a kind of a cordoned off area within the senate house hmm. and uh, when i said look main main bahar chala jata hu usme kya hai hmm. and they said nahi aap bilkul mat jaiye kyunki ye pata nahi marpeet ki kaise ladke hain marpeet ko utara utarayenge aap mat jaiye aap ko aap yahan baith jaiye hum police se baat karke alag se intezam karenge and the group that invited you was the president of the university and yeah, that is yeah, yeah. and, and, uh, and, and uh, he or she belongs to which grouping of so she she is an independent actually this is a unique sort of a situation because she contested the elections against all the established parties you know left right Samaj and one and she won exactly in ilhabad wow she's the first woman uh, president of the students union in 125 years what's her name that's the story uh, yeah her name is richa singh and so richa singh uh, so wow. she's a kind of gutsy woman and she's uh, you know very committed to uh, having some kind of you know public debate on campus and i i, I felt when she approached me in delhi i felt that uh, why not i should go and uh, you know meet students and talk to them and so i was very excited about the program nice now i have uh, one question it may be a little long and then you can take your time answering it uh, you know many people have uh, kind of justified uh, or not justified drawing drawn an equivalence to your program being cancelled to let's say the dis to ramdev being disinvited from genu although technically he was never invited apparently there was a plan to invite him but then he was uninvited or um, you know uh, subramanyam swami being uninvited uh, from uh, from harvard saying you know we don't want him here and modi narendra uh, modi where was he uninvited he was invited to a university in america and there was a protest and then he was stopped so so i'm just uh, do you th- i mean th- those these equivalences do you think they are flawed do you think they are fair that everywhere they shouldn't happen or do you think it is more nuanced than that well i think th- the most direct comparison actually uh, is to look at what happened at ilahabad university itself hmm. where where two or three months ago there was a controversy because the students union president same richa singh hmm. uh decided you know uh, her rivals in the union uh, went ahead and invited uh, yogi adityanath the mp hmm to uh, uh to uh, open the, the for the formal opening of the union's uh, session mm. as it were for the year mm. and uh they uh, you know by by the university rules she's required to sign on any such program and they kind of fudged her signature mm. and so she took a stand that look um, uh, i don't think it's appropriate for yogi adityanath to come and inaugurate uh the union's uh, session because the union belongs to all students right and we and we can't have somebody who's always running down women or running down muslims hmm. so she took a stand and so so a lot of reporters yesterday were saying look uh, uh isn't what the abvp uh, doing to you exactly what was done to adityanath and my answer was that you can't compare the two because adityanath is a politician with a political agenda and he was the union sought to or, or a, a faction of the union sought to invite him for an event which uh, other union members uh, because it had to do with the inauguration of the union yeah so it was uh, so the whole the, union's so the, event it was yeah, yeah. So, so, so i think had had abvp invited uh, yogi adityanath for a separate program hmm. which had nothing to do with the students union uh, inauguration hmm. uh, you know uh, and if that had been stopped i would say that would be a good comparison with what they tried to do to me was it stopped uh, no it was no i'm saying they they never tried to call him separately but had okay. they done that right. had it you know had it been a standalone kind of a program hmm. Uh, you could make a comparison but in any case you see uh, mine was an academic seminar where the vc was going to chair it hmm. and uh, uh, the other was a pure political event 
So I think that these kinds of comparisons aren't, uh, at least in the Allahabad context, aren't correct. But if you want to ask the wider issue, I'm, in my view, uh, people should have a capacity to listen to the other side, the other point of view. Right. And uh, I think people are uh, welcome. I think you have the right to protest. So I think ABVP was well within its rights hmm. to uh, stand outside uh, the original venue where I was going to speak hmm. and hold up placards and uh, and mark their protest even, and, and and register their protest, yeah. uh, but not to threaten violence not to demand that the program be cancelled, not to engage in calumny against me, saying that right. you know, one, of, one of the charges is that I'm anti-national, Naxal. On TV, one of these guys was saying that he wrote a book on as if that's such a huge crime. Hmm. You know, so this kind of, uh, you know, it, it would be far better if they'd registered their protest, perhaps even given an opportunity to me to engage with them, hmm. uh, you know, rather than saying that this, that this person should not be allowed to speak at all. Okay, uh, one uh, more, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. One more question, are you anti-national? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, of course not. But uh, it, 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 it amuses me the ease with which this phrase is bandied around. And in fact, when one of these... Uh, but did you say you're not? Out, did you say you're not anti-national? No, no, I'm not. Of course I'm not. Uh, uh, How do you know? <laughs> How do you know? Because I want to know what is national, what is anti-national, because I haven't been able to wrap my head around it. So, since you obviously have the definition figured out... <laughs> no, no, I think that, uh, by, I mean, if, if, if anti-national means taking... Uh, if, uh, advocating uh, a position or, or doing things which go against, go against the interests of the people of the country. Hmm. Uh, in my view, I'm clearly not anti-national and I think many of the people who fling this accusation hmm. uh, perhaps would fit that definition better. But I, I think engaging in labeling somebody is not very useful, quite frankly. I think people, uh, if they're taking a stand on a particular issue, that should be countered. Let hmm. there be an argument rather than trying to fix a label on somebody. So, uh, and when these guys were actually asked to clarify, okay, what do you mean by international and give an example. Yeah. So, after scratching their head, they said, Unhone Gujarat ke dango pe kitab likhi hai. So, if that is the yardstick of being international, then God save, God save our nation. And one uh, last question I have after that, Madhu, if you have any, please feel free to jump in. Uh, are you familiar with, uh, I think this was last year or year before last, uh, Bill Ma being uninvited from the University of Berkeley after calling him for the, the, you know, the graduating, whatever address that they mm, get. No, I don't, I'm not aware of this. Oh, damn. Okay. So then I, I can't ask you that question. Anyway, it, if, if you, I'll just tell you what happened and just I'd like to know your yeah, view. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, he often on his show, while he is a liberal who I really respect, mm. he is very uh, unforgiving of the cultural differences. Mm. Uh, I mean, he's not as, he doesn't mollycoddle Islam. Yeah. He calls Islamic terrorism, Islamic terrorism, he calls Islamic bullshit right. and he does say that there is a disproportionately large number of people of that religion yeah. who if not join ISIS or other such organizations okay. are neutral about it. They, I mean, and, he, and he was disinvited from what? Uh, he was supposed to address the, uh, the students of University of Berkeley which is a you know, liberal university. And um, after and he at the convocation, yes, at the graduation, huh? yes, yes. And after yeah. he had a show where you know he spoke about this, he's also spoken about the cultural differences. That if you get you know 500 immigrants from somewhere where they're used to seeing people in burqa, and if you send them to Miami Beach, they will yeah. behave in a weird yeah. way. And yeah. we have to address that, and we can't pretend oh it is all okay. So, but but he you know had one of his rants on his show, and they uninvited him. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I can attempt an answer based mm. on what you've explained yeah. to me. You see, I think uh, invitations, there's also context to an event. Mm. So, uh, uh, in the case that I mentioned at Allahabad University of Yogi Adityanath, who was being invited not to give any old talk, right? Mm. But being invited to preside over the inauguration of the student union year. Mm. Uh, and in the case of Bilmar, being asked to give the 
convocation address, which is the high point of the four year correct uh, four years that a, that a student spends for her or his degree in in America. Hmm. Uh, I can I can think of reasons why you would not want to have somebody who's divisive for those kinds of events right. because these are these are events which which actually belong to the student community as a whole. Hmm. So if you're going to have a speaker who is uh, divisive, who's running down one section of students, whether they be uh, you know African Americans or Hispanic Americans or women or uh, in, in the Indian context, Muslims, Christians, or whatever it is. Hmm. I think you, know, you can have an argument where you say, well, uh, this may not be the most appropriate time to call such a person. Uh, call them on another event uh, where they uh, are not representing, Which, as it were, the... Everyone. Uh, uh, everybody. Uh, you know, so I think that this is a fair argument. Hmm. But as I said, I don't know the specifics of this, but uh, I think the context in which an invitation is extended is also important. Very good and point. I, uh, but, but, I, but I would be opposed to uh, somebody saying that somebody like Bill Maher could never speak at a campus. You know, that would right. be completely outrageous. Yeah. Uh, Madhu, anything? You've so, um, uh, Siddharth, do you have any uh, apprehensions now of accepting any future invitations? Uh, none at all. I will, I will happily, I, I actually, one of the things that I enjoy uh, about my work, work, work schedule, or have enjoyed until now, before I've begun to get more and more busy with the wire, is my ability to visit different towns and cities in India and speak to students, visit different campuses. So, uh, as far as as long as my time and schedule allows it, I fully intend to visit uh, as many campuses and speak to as many students as I can. So, I don't think uh, one should be deterred by this kind of goodism because if you if you allow uh, groups like this to determine who can enter a university and who can speak, then you might as well kiss goodbye to the idea of university, the idea of civil society, the idea of democracy. And I don't be I don't intend to. Uh, be party to the diminution of uh, democracy in any way. Great. Thanks, Siddharth. Good Thank luck. Thank you, Siddharth. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now, um, you know, let's, let's just talk about Bhupen's interview. <laughs> uh, too much has been written about it. Uh, does anyone have anything more to say about it? <laughs> Banu, why don't you start? You know, uh, I, I couldn't complete uh, that interview. I watched a bit of it. Uh, you know, a lot of things struck me, but I, for some reason, I was just reminded of what Shoaib Akhtar, the Pakistani fast bowler, told mm. me when I was interviewing him. It was a very, it's a very simple observation, but I don't know for, why it stayed with me. He said that, look, people can see through, you know, he says that people can look at a face and they can figure everything out. Every face is transparent and the dumbest guy can see through a face. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of when I'm always fascinated by Turkish guys who are philosophical, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so he, uh, but I know, I, I, I thought about what he said, and I thought it's, it's probably true. The reason why I'm mentioning this is, see, t I mean, I always found television a very brutal medium, you know. See, uh, most of us would like to hide uh, many things about us and project a particular view. You know, we're always projecting ourselves and right. It's easier. It's easy for writers to do that, hmm. but uh, television just does not permit that, you know. And uh, so that's why I feel television journalism is one of the toughest jobs. Uh, now, now the thing is that now, Chaube, he 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 couldn't hide his uh, inner contempt, you know, hmm. or 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 a certain a certain view that he has. Hmm. And even though his questions, I mean, he, he was trying to be a bit measured, yeah. but television is such a brutal medium that he, uh, when a lot of things came through, 
And uh, I thought uh, uh, that was one of the fascinating elements uh, about that interview, you know, uh, because because mm. times have changed and, and decorum itself has changed as a recent journalistic decorum also has changed. And this change is very rapid. Things, I mean, there are things you can get, you could have got away with two or three years ago. You can't anymore. You know, suddenly the society is saying and there is no warning. You know, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so journalists have to have to guess, and uh, they have to. I mean, first of all, it's. I think it is just. Uh, it's just a great idea to be decent. You know. Right. Uh, so that is the most logical. So, so thing. what do you think yeah. the expression you said? I, I agree with you. The questions by themselves were not necessarily all that offensive, although a couple were. But yeah, the combination, the expression. Uh, kind of exactly, you know. See the combination of you know. See he, first of all, for some reason he was very reluctant to use words like porn star. Okay, and when you're interviewing a porn star, hmm. I think if you if you if you don't have certain biases, you would very easily utter words like porn star. You know. Hmm. So, uh, but you know, <laughs> porn star. Say it's another porn star. Actually, there is another interesting element. He did call here. her a porn queen. And, uh, sorry, sorry. He did call her a porn queen, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, so but I, I think the story we've all missed probably is actually English. You know, in in a tricky in a tricky interview like this, uh, which is a tense let's let's say it's a tense interview uh, because of the nature of questions and what he was driving at. Mm. Um, now, what was going on actually was that she was extremely comfortable in the medium in which the the interview was being conducted, mm. and the interviewer. Uh, because it is a kind of a, it was a kind of a tense situation, hmm. was probably not not as as articulate as she was. So she ended up apart from the fact that she was she was obviously very wise and uh, uh, clever. Uh, but apart from the fact that she she was so comfortable with the language hmm. that uh, it it became a no contest. Right, right, true. Yeah. And most of us, I mean, the, the Indian uh, middle class, we have uh, we, we have landed in a situation where, where we, I think, I think we write okay, uh, but when we have to speak uh, in a situation uh, in English, suddenly we we seem to be the underdog, and that's what happened happened to the interviewer. The interviewer became the underdog in the interview, and that's not a good place to be. Yeah, in. Yeah, I think that's also because you think. In Hindi, if not all the time, at least some of your thoughts are in Hindi, and then the translation—it's not as smooth as it is for English. But you know, when you say the look on his face, there's only one way to describe the look on his face: is you know, when you're an adolescent, and your understanding of gender dynamic and sexual relations is young. You, there is a look which some guys have, which they give to a girl who they may have slept with and are serious about. I've seen you naked. Look, you know. Hey, I've seen you naked. You know that I'm so cool because I've seen you naked. He had that I've seen you naked look, which fucked it up for him completely. Which was like, dude. And then really? you're clear. Because <laughs> he, I mean, he, you obviously like. And, and how can any male, you know, friends have done an episode on that. That oh, guys, you know, how can guys watch porn? It's so, you know, dude. If you're a guy, don't say that I don't. I haven't watched. Like porn, hmm. it's like yeah. shut up. No one's gonna believe you, it's, and it's not true. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Your your view, uh, Arunab. I think uh, I believe uh, Bhupendra Chaudhary should not have been doing the interview in the first place. <clears throat> I think that that comes from a larger structural problem in Indian journalism, where you know editors, you know, it is an important interview uh, and expected to get a lot of TRPs. So the newsroom, the guy who heads the newsroom, uh, you know, did it by default. But I don't think that should be the case. I think a guy with more with more experience of cultural reporting, because Bhupendra Chaudhary is a great 
He's a great political reporter, and that's what he's done all his life. I don't think he's reported in culture ever. And I, or I, cinema. Or cinema ever. Because I'm sure there are people out there who are cringing when you say culture. I'm not judging, I'm just saying. People will. Definitely culture. Definitely culture. Pop culture, right. Yeah. True. So, hmm. uh, so I think, so a lot of Indian journalists who are really good at, you know, getting uh, political scoops, I don't understand much of culture, you know. That's because probably because they've done nothing else in their lives apart from following stories. It's a good thing. Mm. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, I think uh, somebody with a little more understanding of the world, you know, beyond... Uh, politics. Beyond politics, should have done it. I think that's a structural problem because that's what happens. You know, when you're interviewing, like the same guy interviews Sachin Tendulkar, the same guy interviews Narendra Modi. I don't, I don't think that should be the case, you know. Mm. And that, that doesn't happen in, in, in American publications or, you know, in, in informed publications. There are dedicated people to, to do dedicated stuff. <clears throat> because you can be good at only in so many things. So, you know, that's something that an Indian journalist need to understand that there are limitations, you know. What, what do you think, Manu? You know, someone... Sorry. Sorry, I just want to ask you, uh, you can uh, complete your thought, but as someone who's, you know, headed a news organization, would you send your senior most to interview any important person or is what Arun you know, saying? You uh, I was in a different uh, situation where the magazine is a small place, but yes, you know, I, I, I feel that there is a hierarchy in Indian journalism. Uh, especially in Delhi journalism, where uh, political journalists feel uh, that because they've done politics, uh, they are qualified to do just about anything. And they have the stupid smile. I I've seen the stupid smile on the face of uh, television anchors when they're switching from politics to Bollywood when I was in Bombay. And Madras. I used to understand the face because that same face, I remember when I was growing up, the Doodash television anchor would, do, would have but after covering politics, when they're saying that in Wandalur Zoo, uh, a tiger has given birth to a baby cub, they would have that face, you know, mm. that slight, gentle face of condescension, you know, mm. that now we, are now, we are, now we are moving to amusing news. Fluff, moving to the fluff stories, is that right? Sorry? Now, that, that face said, now we are talking fluff stories. Exactly, you know, so there is, there is that feeling, you know, that, uh, that what is called features, is is something that needs no expertise, hmm. uh, but uh, but as as you as you pointed out, that's well, that's just not true. Uh, but I, I have to say that Shekhar Gupta did handle uh, the interview pretty well. I, I don't know when he did the interview with um, Sunny Leone. Leone, I mean, Leone, I believe. Be Leon? It's Leone. I she I've I've heard her introduce herself as Leone. So, uh, so I, I thought he might, but maybe he, because he's, he's now uh, used to interviewing non-political figures too over the past few years. Uh, so I thought uh, he had handled it um, better, I, I think. Uh, quickly, you have anything to add, Madhu, before we move on to the next, on either of those? Well, on Siddharth's thing, I, f I feel that what I had written about a while ago about um, the intangible, that although statistics say that there are less communal incidents since Modi came into power, the fact is that the psychological permission that society seems to have claimed to make these things okay to do, that is what's, what is scary. Do you, do you think that that is the case, um, Manu, that ever since this dispensation came, there is an emboldened element of the of loutish behavior? Yeah, I mean, one, one can sense that, but then I, I think this kind of behavior was, uh, uh, um, uh, has been around for the last 10 years. They've, they've, they've been rising for a while, I should say. Um, but, you know, here, here is where there is, I mean, I have a slightly complicated view. Yes, these, 
what's what's going on is deplorable. But at the same time, the the liberal side also, I mean, has lost a lot of its credibility. You know, hmm. uh, it's it's also its its righteousness is now dubious. Even and it's suspect even to people like me. You know, I don't. I'm, I'm unable to take them seriously all the time. You know, hmm. so that's why I, it is so important that when when there are issues that uh, that we are not very comfortable with because some of our friends or people we like are involved in a particular. Uh, point of view, and you don't want to uh, prove them wrong. But I think it's still important that uh, we uh, we question and we challenge um, people like us, you know, or, or right. people who would claim to be liberal. That because now I, I I feel that apart from the fact that they're being uh, emboldened, they've also lost uh, uh, lost respect for the other side, and it's it's important for them to always be under pressure okay to know that uh, there is um that what they are up against uh, has some kind of a moral strength okay but i feel this moral strength of uh, indian liberals uh, weakening over the years uh, there are only agendas now actually yeah i, th- I i'm sorry manisha you were saying no no i i, I actually sense it's the other way around i thought it was weak now i think now there's there's the ones who stand up for liberal values and then there's you know what you're saying you know those who are uh, led by agendas but just one um, observation i have i've uh, been a huge fan of uh, much of your writing manu though i don't always agree with what you say especially I hear that all the time <laughs> especially on free <laughs> especially on free basics we'll we'll come to that although yeah. i have a manu joseph fan sitting here say hi to arunam <laughs> hi manu yeah. I mean and he he says that as as he giggles nervously <laughs> but he, he 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 thinks you're like most awesome writer anyway so um i i sometimes feel that you know if uh, there are two sides to a i'm not saying every conversation has a binary like there's an x so if there's certain people who are saying left and there's certain people who are saying right there'll be one person who will say orange and that'll be manu uh, and he'll say you know orange and left and right you're both idiots or if everyone's saying west and everyone's saying east Then you one person who will say, you know, tea leaves, and that will be Manu. So we rest in both areas. Is, is that a conscious? Is that a conscious decision you take, Manu? It is Manu? not. You know, it is not. In fact, in fact, in fact, sometimes when people say, when uh, uh, call me contrarian, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with these terms because, uh, uh, see, again, it's about credibility. You know, see, if if you. Uh, if if a writer is going to come across as a person who's doing a few things consciously, who's taking a stand consciously, he's going to lose his credibility. Hmm. You know, the thing is, it, it's just that there are many things one can write about, and some and and a few things fascinate me. You know, and sometimes what fascinates me is uh, I feel that the that uh, someone or or a group of people are looking at an issue. uh very differently from the way i feel they should be looking at it you know uh which is for example free basics was one of those issues uh because when i i mean we can discuss that when we come to that right but i i feel that uh, it is very damaging for writers to uh be contrarian consciously because ultimately if you lose your credibility you're just nothing right uh so i'm i am worried when uh, this perception takes root because 
I'm, I'm, the only thing I worry is uh, the loss of credibility, you know, and I think as, as writers, that should be the only thing we should be worried about. No other forms of... Well, on that I'll say, you, I, I, I don't think I can say from, from where I'm standing, you don't have to be worried about that. Oh, uh, no, so. but I, I'm saying when, when we choose the topic, I mean, I'm, uh, 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 when, we, when we choose some subjects, uh, it... But some, sometimes I, when I feel that there's something, uh, there is a, there is an unremarkable story or, or there is a, an outrage which is morally completely justified, most of the time I'm not inspired to write about it because I, I feel that the issue is uh, not intriguing enough. I see. Um, so, Madhu, what do you want to go with next? We've discussed, um, and there's Revati's attack. You, you want to just... Um, have you read much about that? Are you, have you, are well, you familiar with the details? I think only what everybody else has. Hmm. Um, I, do, I don't remember a time when there was actually so much violence in everybody's expression and thought. It's just everyone is reacting violently to disagreement, to, you know, if you talk about Vardarajan, you, you just read the papers. There's, it's, it's become... Uh, all-encompassing and that mm. is frightening that the culture as I said I think it's is culturally now acceptable almost to react violently and viciously to everyone and everything whether it's on television or whether if you have an accident on the road or whether you're a parent-teacher meeting or, or on, on panels on television and panels on it's just the whole culture has become from this maybe uh, acquired or a, it, maybe it was a cover-up, I don't know. But from a culture in the 40s and 50s where tukallaf and decency and speeches that were elegant, that could be uh, in parliament, that you could uh, produce books out of just the speeches because they were so brilliant. And now uh, there's abuse. And so this whole, it seems like a big typhoon or tsunami of violence hitting every portion of our society. Hmm. Um, Arunab, what do you want to go with next? Anything that remarkable? I was wondering though, did Revati file an FIR or something? Has she <coughs> he's arrested? Been arrested. Huh? The, the, he's been arrested. He's been arrested. Okay, yeah. okay. He's been arrested. Okay. I was shocked by one statement. In fact, I would rather not even repeat it. Uh, he was in serving 31 years for rape and murder, if I'm not wrong. I don't know about murder, but definitely. His rape. wife had complained <coughs> of abuse, is what to I her. Uh, Yeah, to, yeah, to yeah is what I know. But yeah, uh, so, I don't know, something that was remarkably got remarkably bad in the news media uh, this week. You mean stories or something I read? Anything you <coughs> want to discuss, like we do on Hafta? <coughs> no, I mean, I read some great pieces in uh, this year's, uh, uh, this month's, uh, this magazine called Cricket Monthly, which not many people are interested here. Hmm. The, the, so this chronicles, uh, it draws up a list of the 50 best. Uh, uh, performances in test cricket in the last five decades. Interestingly, there's no Sachin Tendulkar in it. Uh, and Lara features, uh, Brian Lara features five times. I think if you're a cricket lover, you should definitely go to that list. And there's another essay in the same issue by another one of my very favorite uh, journalists, Indian journalist Rahul Bhatcharya. It's called Fly, Lara, Fly. It's, it's a brilliant piece, a br it's great writing. <clears throat> so, yeah, I suggest uh, uh, people who like cricket to read it. How fascinating. You've almost put everyone on this table to sleep. <laughs> Are you a cricket fan, Manu? No one here. Oh, <laughs> I, I was actually, especially uh, un until, uh, uh, until the retirement of Sachin. I don't know what's happened. I thought you were going to say, uh, until Arunab just bought it. <laughs> 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 no. huh. um, so, uh, 
Uh, yes, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite. Uh, I don't know what's happened to me and why I lost interest in cricket, but I also see that uh, uh, the generation that had made cricket India's unofficial national sport hmm. has uh, more or less abandoned cricket. We've all, I think, become uh, World Cup watchers. Um, right. I don't know if it's a part of growing up or what it is. I, I just but, since uh, you said you you're a you said you're a Tendulkar fan. I I'm not a cricket fan. I must admit, and my knowledge is very very limited. Uh, in fact, I'm one of those who doesn't really consider it a sport in the sense of football and basketball because any any sport where Inzamam ul Haq can be one of the best in the world is not a sport. Mm. But but uh, uh, I've heard this from many people uh, saying that Sachin was overrated. Brian Lara won more matches for his country. Or had more match-winning performances, or played for the team. Like you know, what Arunab just said. I don't know about this list, but Brian Lara appears five times and Sachin not even once. I'm snoozing. Okay, Madhu is going to sleep so quickly. You'll have to tell me as a former cricket fan. <laughs> uh, is there in your you know, view? You know, funny. This is the only thing that ever makes me angry, actually. Uh, but uh, so what I did was once I got an opportunity to go to the Caribbean. Hmm. Okay, and uh, I asked about Lara. Hmm. What is fascinating is that everything that we say about Sachin, a particular kind of people say about Sachin in India, hmm. is what they say about Lara there. Oh. Okay, he doesn't win matches. He's selfish. Okay, as he's just various other things, and he's fat. And he's okay. fat. Yeah. Okay. So it's like you know, it's so. I I think uh, when uh, when 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 someone or something belongs to you. Uh, and and you have only glorified this person uh, in fact Sachin never got bad press till the ferrari moment yeah uh, and uh, then he got a lot of i think people just get tired of just being in love with someone and then uh, uh, i think we need uh, uh, some views rise and they spread you, because you you need hindi to the rescue in hindi there's a saying for that ghar ki murgi dal barabar yes yes <laughs> Okay, Manisha, what do you want to share with us? Anything in the news media that you thought was covered well, badly, or not at all? I think we can uh, uh, talk about Rohit Vemula's uh, suicide. Oh yes. Hmm. Uh, the Hyderabad University has now revoked the suspension of the other Dalit scholars. Hmm. That's just come in, and again, there's this whole talk about let's not make this a Dalit issue. Our hmm. honourable HRD minister herself said that yesterday, but uh, it's clear now that he was Dalit. Uh, there are there was this earlier there was this certificate that was doing the rounds uh, there was uh, it wasn't clear what the source was it was in telugu that said that he's actually from the vadera uh, backward caste but in fact uh, his father was a vadera and his mother was a mala from the mala uh, scheduled caste uh, and her, his father left her mother his mother uh, pretty early on so he took on the mother's identity and the mother's caste and she's come out with the certificate also now um but still i was Why thinking, his brother his brother is obc uh no not oh. that i i don't know uh, so the, uh, the paternal grandmother has said that no he's obc but then the father has never been in touch with these kids so i don't know who went to the paternal grandfather and took this interview it's not clear who took that interview either but it's been circulated as proof of stating that he's obc but the mother has come out and said that he spoof, took my but is proof come in here proof proof, proof. proof. okay yeah. mm -hmm. so the mother uh, has come out and said that no he took my caste took on my caste and the certificate also says that he's scheduled caste but i was just thinking that um, 
it doesn't matter finally i mean why do we have to get into these technicalities the fact is that he was he identified himself as dalit he was part yes. of this organization the ambedkar uh, uh, organization which fought for dalit rights the campus in the campus he was recognized as a dalit the vc recognized him as dalit he fought for you know dalit so rights what are the implications so how does it if he was dalit or not actually the, the implications <coughs> is purely that was he on the stipend or was in a scholarship was that legit but actually in my view there is no implications i just think it's in really poor taste that his uh, identity whether he's obc dalit or not was being discussed in the way it was and the certificate uh, manisha's talking about mm -hmm. that idiots online just started sharing he wasn't dalit so like that proves what it no, was there's a point because he mentions in his in his final letter that uh, um uh something about the fatal accident of birth hmm. you know see it becomes significant here uh when if you're going to ignore all the political views hmm. uh i would imagine that there's a distinction between someone who, who who didn't have a choice uh and because especially he's used very powerful language in his final letter and i i was interested in this story because uh, there was nothing in his final letter which is construed which is construed as a suicide note mm. uh which uh, comes close to what the activists are claiming so the question i have is is this a depression story or is this a dalit story because if you remember a few months ago when deepika padukone brought depression in to the front pages yeah. there was a view that look depression is a mental condition and they and we don't have to search for external causes that it is something intrinsic something internal and uh, and it is very difficult for a person to deal with it and and it, when you search for external causes you are trying to almost blame the person you know or blame blame the society but while it is actually a, a mental condition almost a psychiatric condition and people have to uh, talk about it and we have to deal with it and we should not be ashamed of it correct right. we remember this very clearly now when bemula dies okay and his uh, suicide note is very very clear when he one uh, he's talking about emptiness he's talking about his childhood he's talking about the loneliness of his childhood and strange in one way he also says that i'm, sep I'm, I'm separating uh from myself that something mean, something is going on uh, inside of me even says i've become a monster though i i don't know what he was referring to right hmm. so uh this is very similar to uh, uh the statements of, of uh, other people who uh, who uh, have signs of depression so you don't think that aspect was explored enough in all the discussions and the it debates was, and uh, stories completely not because obviously there is a very powerful humane and humanitarian angle in this whole thing with this which is the dalit issue right right and and i think that the indian mainstream media did not want to disrespect that but mm. still that see here this is a point i've been i tried to make earlier you know so when but whatever be the powerful issue which is the background hum mm. okay in this case it is important to ask is 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 it a depression story or a dalit story it is a very uh, difficult but there would be no be both but manu when he because it can't be both it can't be both you say but Why? manu when he when he um Uh, said that because of his accident of birth or where he was born he could also be meaning uh, uh, that he was born in a poor family yes not necessarily in a dalit family yes so we don't know and we never will to be honest and uh, sorry manisha was and saying and can't it be both 
can't tell yes, me that he happened to be Dalit, but he happened to be Dalit, but was going through see, depression. Po- uh, yeah, but poverty is never an identity, you know. Uh, uh, no, but he didn't uh, say identity, he said he was you, born. You're always fleeing poverty. You never flee identity. Hmm. You want to annihilate, I mean, uh, uh, you want to end your poverty, you're fleeing from poverty. So poverty never has the power of an identity, while being a Dalit is an identity. But Nobody flees from being a Dalit. That is true. I mean, I, in fact, I question, in fact, I had a whole in, uh, uh, peace, peace sign-up, who I respect a lot, but his... Farmer uh, 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 suicide data. projection of farmer suicide, I mean, I, I completely question the concept of farmer suicide. I feel that uh, yes, there are uh, there are depressed people who who can be pushed into taking uh, extreme uh, decisions because of a set of uh, reasons, uh, and poverty is definitely a very powerful misery. Yes, but I feel that you know sometimes uh, activists do use suicides to drive home their points. Right. You know, I feel that a human being, a human being, would take his or her life in an extreme, in extreme situations, and uh, uh, sociological reasons alone do not always explain them. Yeah, but uh, you know, this is an interest. Sorry, uh, before I give my comment, Arunab, you haven't spoken on it. What is your view about uh, what Manu said and how it was covered? Mm-hmm. I don't think, uh, I mean, I don't agree with Manu for a change. (laughs) 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 I I don't think they need to be mutually exclusive, particularly in this case, because uh, I think the fact, I I think you have to look at the larger picture here, and sometimes it's important to look at the larger picture, because if you look at AVP's AVP's politics, you know, it's always been majority in politics. If you look at Delhi elections, and I uh, I, sorry, I I covered the student uh, DU elections this time, and every candidate was from... uh, was either a Gujar or a Jat, uh, you know, uh, backward classes, uh, but uh, in the middle of, middle of the caste. But hierarchy. an empowered backward class. But an empowered class. Backward, backward class. So what's the point? <clears throat> the point is that I. The, the point is that there is definitely the, the fact that, you know, the, the the fact that he was you know suspended had and to do with the, and disempowered had to had to do with the fact that he had no agency. He had no agency to protest. He had no agency to put his point forward. The point is that there is a larger scheme of a majoritarian politics playing out here in in the way he was in, in the in the way he didn't have a voice, he didn't get to have a voice. I think I, I don't think it's I don't think it's possible. I don't think we should be ignoring that bit. I think you you feel isolated, and I think uh, you know while that whole depression angle definitely can be explored, and you should get uh, mental health experts on it. So you know, like rather than the panel have one BJP politician, one Congress, one Vice Chancellor, and his friend. Maybe they should have had one window with a with with a expert or a professional in the mental health who could also ask his friend about the symptoms and maybe hard to treat post facto. But uh, you know about how whether uh, like Manu said, you are driven to suicide in extreme circumstances. It depends what an extreme circumstance is. Like I have been a part of environments or groups of boys in boardings where things that you know if you recount to others. They said, dude, that's hideous. But it was quite normal in a particular, uh, among a particular group. In Doon school. school. It's got nothing to do with Doon. Chill out. I'm just saying. What I'm saying is, but if, but I know that it's not about school. In college, I've seen DU. I'm not saying, but what I'm saying is that the same kind of 
treatment meted out to someone who doesn't feel protected by a community, it could, I mean, you won't laugh it off like, you know, over dinner. It, you'd be depressed about it for months. So I think what is an extreme circumstance is very, very subjective. And that is where identity matters. But the question that I would like to ask is there have been so many stu student suicides in the last couple of years. Why has this one got so much attention? I think that's because of the letters. The letters by the letters are the letters are really gut wrenching. What do you think, Manu? Is it is it uh, because the BJP is in power and everyone loves trashing the BJP, or is it because the letters? Yeah, that's are that's possibly part of the reason. And then there is there is a Dalit angle to it. And then uh, as yeah, the letters. Yes, it has precedence. It has uh, it has a documentary precedence, which uh, which makes journalism easier. You know, mm. uh, because you 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 uh, there is a lot of information that is available to journalists to uh, to take uh, moral and professional decisions. So it is that kind of a story. So uh, so in fact, I'm not surprised at all. If, if it, in fact, I I feel that if uh, if the political movement against BJP was not enough, this could have been uh, huge. It's already, I think, pretty big, but it could have been really huge. Do you think uh, all the politicians going there is something that politicians will and must do, or is it uh, vulture-like behavior that uh, some commentators are suggesting? Well, it's something that they have to do. They have no choice. Hmm. No, I think, so, why, so, what so is the reason for a... a situation where it's not about right or wrong. It is just something that you expected to do. No, why? Why Why would I expect Arvind Kejriwal to go there? Uh, go to every farmer's suicide? Look at this number of suicides in Maharashtra. Maybe there's a bit of exploitation in this. That's what I mean. It's it's a very bad taste. It includes exploitation, you know. So I don't think a politician... Like, for example, you don't even have to read any of the delivery mechanisms of the Communist Party to know that definitely Communist Party would have made an observation. Mm. You would definitely know Kav uh, Kavita Krishna would have made an observation. I don't even have to read anything. I know that she would have made an observation, <laughs> right? We know that the set of people, you can, you can list 10, 20 people and you know that wherever they are, whatever they are, they would have made a, an observation. And you also know what the view would have been. Right. You know. Uh, so, like, for example, you, you can, right now, you can just exp do a social experiment. We know that, like, uh, uh, Naum Chomsky, I'm sure, ha doesn't have any idea about this issue. You just ask him for a statement just on the phone, you give him a background, I'll tell you more or less what he will say about this. Achha, let, let's do it, let's do it. Manu, what, <laughs> you should do it. Manu, what do you, you think he'll say? What do you think he'll say? Is it about class, as society and capitalism, etc.? Yeah, you know, you would more or less, yeah, what they've already said. It's the same, uh, it's the same use. So I, I think it has become a part of a, part of a process, not that... Uh, uh, but, but let's I'm make a prediction. Them, you know. fact, let's uh, make a I prediction. I reassuring that their act is actually. But uh, I, I feel that they've, they've not been challenged enough. Because we, are, we keep challenging the evil, with the, as a very clear evil. But I think it is more important to challenge the good. Hmm. And let's make a prediction. What do you think Naim Chomsky will say? He will say that uh, there's no greater evil than uh, uh, cl class discrimination. And uh, that uh, Indian, uh, that uh, uh, untouchable class in courts. Uh, I don't know if he's if he's familiar with the term Dalit have uh, suffered enough, and uh, and uh, educational institutions uh, should not become dense of uh, in, uh, discrimination. And right. what do you think Arundhati will say? Be the substance of what he's going to tell you. What do you think Arundhati will say? <laughs> 
Ever since she's been quite sure for a while. The same I thing, but she'll take 25 more words. <laughs> <laughs> Minutes. She's been she's been quiet for a while, so I wonder. Um, yeah. And and just the last one. What do you think Suhail Seth will say? He'll say these guys are all dolts, and he'll shake his head a bit, and his he'll, say, he'll say that's why you should not smoke uh, heroin. You know why? That's why cocaine is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he would want to say. <laughs> Okay, uh, Manisha, what do you want to go with next? Uh, but before that, I have a question for Manu. After we come to you, Manisha. Manu, uh, why don't we see you as a commentator on panels? Oh, God. I'm just not very... Uh, I, I don't enjoy uh, the medium yet, you know, and, and because I'm working on the next book, uh, the whole... I mean, I'm trying to conserve time wherever I can, you know. Uh, but okay, that's your so excuse for now, for earlier? For earlier? I don't know why I felt that... Um, See the thing is also that when you when you're writing, you know, you can um, you can reflect over issues, and sometimes you know it, your your thought can evolve, you know. Hmm. And uh, as panel life, I don't know why I've always been uh, far less comfortable than um, I've been. Uh, maybe because of, uh, I, I think the issue is that when you have one form of outlet, which is uh, writing, uh, where you feel that uh, you can. Um, you can uh, you you can do a better job because you have more time to think and of course you can delete the whole thing you know right uh, uh, you f just feel that uh, appearing on a panel um, is uh, uh, maybe as is not not as good as other forms that are available to you yeah. I do enjoy it sometimes it just uh, it's just that I'm never sure okay. of which way it would go you know hmm. Manisha. What do you want to talk about next? Um, I read this interesting piece in Slate, hmm. and since it's close to March, uh, the piece's headline, the annual performance review is insulting, ineffective and outdated, let it die. And I couldn't agree more. I think appraisals, especially in media organizations, are a joke. And uh, we should really try and find a... More efficient system. Uh, yeah, because I remember appraisals, uh, annual appraisals uh. that, you know, rate yourself, yeah. tell us one challenge you overcame over the past year. Really? There were these? Yeah, so in Business Standard, we used to have this elaborate form where you'd had to rate yourself from 1 to 5 on everything, efficiency, how you've been able to take we on tasks. We should start this, Abhinandan. Really? I had, I it's mean, horrible, please. This. It's the worst thing you could we do. We should introduce it. Really? And oh, we, you no, no. won't appraise yourself, it's we should appraise you. No, so the thing is that you do it first and then your boss does it for you and then you see whether it matches or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that right? Did you have this in open, uh, Manu? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure open. Uh, you know, actually we did. Uh, I, uh, I was introduced to this in uh, Times of India when I was the uh, National Features Editor and I had to do a bit of it and it didn't... Uh, um, uh, I didn't know how it would work out. But I know actually there is uh, there are very few ways of for measuring um, journalists, mm. um, so I, I suppose uh, HR usually, I mean HR also has to do something. Yeah, they just have to just. I, yeah. I, I just remember <laughs> we used to be asked to fill this in school at the end of every year. What did you achieve? And we always used to fill. We have to bade tir mare. We have to jhanne gaar diya. We have to bade koi hai nahi. Because no one used to take it. The interesting thing is, which I wish we could uh, introduce this in our schools, uh, from the lowest class up, and in colleges. And I, uh, a couple of years ago, I attended a screenwriting summer course in uh, NYU. Hmm. And uh, at the end of each course, each for each class, you get a form in which you appraised the the course and the teacher, in terms of teaching, in terms of quality, in terms of punctuality, in terms of 
you know, information given, how useful it was. And I think right from class two or three, kids should be given that form that to give that kind of mentality that um, you, you can judge your teaching, you can judge what you're being taught and you can judge your teacher because a friend of mine who attended... One second, Madhu, are you suggesting that... Um, Employees should, yeah, should be judging us, please, like careful. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with okay. it. Like I'm a okay silent... With it because yeah, like how about me? Yeah, but who <laughs> listens to them, yeah? So, in any case, this is one of the things that I was discussing with Manisha this morning and I don't know if Manu's had this experience because he's working by himself, lucky fellow, mm. in his own room with his book where he doesn't have to deal with other people. Mm. Uh, um, I have, uh, ever since News Laundry started, I have reassessed my view of uh, the, gener the millennium generation. Hmm. I found uh, going by other people that I was exposed to, I thought they were fresh, you know, uh, creative, open. And now I, am s I have very reluctantly and slowly come to the conclusion that um, every millennium uh, young adult seems to worship his own opinion as if it is a fact. So if he says that it's uh, uh, December today because it's his opinion, it is his opinion and it should be valid. Hmm. And facts have very little to do with opinion because it's my opinion, it's my view. I think every generation feels that about the younger generation. No. I, yes. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. No, but this, I'll tell you, I'll uh, tell you because uh, I was the exposed to... generation has one thing which, uh, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but the, at least the previous generation didn't have, because there's also the corroboration uh, generation. Now, well, earlier when we had an opinion, it had to pass through processes before, you know, you could be sure whether you made sense or not. Exactly. Mm. So now, you on this, I mean, you immediately get corroboration. You can say anything. In fact, that could be another expert. You can just say anything. There would be some people who would corroborate that. Yeah. And so, uh, and a tribe is formed, a club is formed, a certain way of thinking is formed. And then if it reaches a critical mass, it becomes what is called the public opinion. Hmm. So no, I'm, I'm talking about journalists uh, because I is, remember. Is, I mean, it has its, uh, its own uh, perils. Hmm. Uh, well, I think that is the thing with the the the, the young. Like, for example, I, I can see many issues that concern uh, the young now. Uh, they most of them, I feel, it is you know the the opinions uh, are searching for corroborations. In fact, what is fascinating is that the same thing happens to delusions, uh, hmm. because uh, a delusion becomes stronger when it finds a corroboration. Yeah. Hmm. You know, that's why, that's why two people were slightly off. You know, in fact, uh, one, one person will be able to influence the other because uh, that's how it Yeah, it one spreads. sees that a lot on Twitter because no, ma you, no matter what you say, there'll be a constituent saying how great you are. How great and you are. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you have people playing for that yeah. constituency. Um, but I, I genuinely do feel, I mean, of course, every generation has all kinds of people, but so generalizations aren't accurate and they are not supposed to be, but if we are to generalize... No, but it's my I opinion and it's my view, therefore yeah. it's valid. Yeah, no, so here, no, what I'm saying that's is... That's what I'm yeah, saying. What I'm saying is generalizations... That's the attitude. Uh, the generalizations generally are not always accurate, but, but that's what I'm your saying view. is... Yeah, yeah, that's my view. That's um, Let me finish my view, no? like you have allowed to finish yours. Uh, is that every generation has this complaint with the younger generation, as I will, as I'm older with, you know, people of my niece and nephew's generation, but I think if history has taught us anything at all, it is that the next generation will always be better than you and yours because they have learned from your mistakes. And that you can do some sort of a, uh, analytical, uh, you know, data-driven and um, qualitative and quantitative analysis 
of the last 200 years, the next generation will always be smarter, faster, cleverer, stronger than the last, no matter what age we talk about. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, well, as, as a collective. Happens. Of course, that happens. But what I'm saying is that there is an element, an element which this generation, which is growing up with a lot of tailor made stuff and uh, which grew up with the internet and, you know, as part of their language and vocabulary. And um, what I feel is that having been exposed to young people in this profession for 40 years and having very young people work under me, I find that uh, as the, uh, there's a big difference between today and uh, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, because there was an openness to learn. I mean, I was, uh, I've been a reporter and I've argued with editors when they changed my copy but and argued and then and uh, the editor will say you will learn you will learn to accept the changes because there's a after a point you can't argue anymore and so you shut up and you resent it and you're angry and you let you have to let it go and then you do learn that yeah he was right at the end but and many times he may be wrong but there was an element of a certain amount of hierarchy that one respected and i think Equality is great because I love the argument and I love communicating as an equal with, with a reporter. But there is also the element of that, listen, whatever you write, whatever you say, has to have some basis. It can't be a whim. Hmm. Arunab, before we wind up, your views Nothing as the youngest on this table. How old are you? 25. Sure fooled me. Hmm. Nothing really. <laughs> you know, I think there's an interesting piece in the slate again, the world is not falling apart, which talks about what Abhinandan spoke about actually, the fact that things are actually much better hmm. uh, in the current times. We're living in much better and peaceful times than before. If it peaceful? Takes a, yeah, yeah, it actually this looks better. This is historically a, the most it, peaceful time. It looks at actually... Right really? now yeah. we are in the most peaceful time, no matter what. See, we have more images being flashed us on television, but you're talking about the Second World War, the First World War, you're talking yeah. about... I mean, the, the, the Gulf Holocaust, like 40 years ago. I mean, it's, it's a no contest, which is why I think... 71, that, everything. That, uh, Manu, uh, we're going to wind up... Uh, but sorry, Manisha finished, then Manu can... No, this up. piece was actually interesting if you want to take the argument forward. And right. One piece that I, I was reading in The New Yorker, which is a really brilliant piece about a woman's story in Iran hmm. and how she worked, how she gradually... Uh, she is a journalist, and how she gradually... And it's written about her. She's not writing it herself and um, how she worked towards uh, stopping the stoning of women hmm. in, in Iran for adultery or for sexual deviancy or whatever. And what, what would happen is that girls would be raped and, um, and they would then, uh, after being raped, her name is um, uh, Asiya Amini. Hmm. And after being raped, uh, by, uh, say, a, a, the mother sells a little child at the age of nine hmm. to an old man and then again at 13 and on and on and on. And after a certain age, at 16 or 15, they're stoned to death. For adultery Executed for adultery. Right. And so she worked how to, uh, on how to stop it. Fascinating story. It's in the New Yorker. The New Yorker. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, Manu, we're going to wind up. Anything you want to share or comments on the media? <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes we have to reflect on actually, even though we have a lot of complaints against India, I think sometimes we also uh, have to feel very lucky, you know. In many ways, um, uh, we are more fortunate than 
many other countries, despite all the problems that we might have. Um, I, I think so, sometimes I wonder if we uh, should cut some slack, you know. For yeah, India. I'm just grateful that I don't have to wear that shuttlecock on my head. If I may end on a provocative note, easy for us to say, not if you're born in a Dalit family in the bunghole of Uttar Pradesh, when any Thakur could walk into your house and rape you, your sister, or your mother. Mm -hmm. So, depends on where you were born. That is true. So, thank you, Manu. It's been a pleasure talking to you, especially for Arunab. Right, Arunab? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. He says giggly again. Okay, just one last thing. Okay, well, uh, there's a tweet that... Uh, uh, Booker Prize winner Marlon James just landed in India and was already pissed. He's pissed off, yeah. Why is he pissed off? Airport security. Okay, well at least uh, he wasn't there the, the night when there was dharnas happening on every gate. Yeah. The Thagat Satapati was giving a dharna on his gate because pilots were exchanged to Air India flights. Anyway, thank you Manisha. Thanks Manu, pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very me. much Manu. That's all we have on the Hafta. Remember, when the public pays, the public is served. When corporations pay, corporations are served. Get on to newslaundry.com, click on I pay to keep news free and subscribe. When you subscribe, it keeps independent media afloat. Support independent media if you really want to change in media and governance. We that's, need you. Yes, we do. And that's you all. need us. Exactly, you do, even though you don't know it yet. But, <laughs> but, oh God, my father used to say that all the time. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We leave you with this song that epitomizes the age-old battle between generations. Goodbye and good luck. All new episodes of NL Hafta on newslaundry.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook.